Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Today we're talking about a new series that's called Better Together, and we're focusing on this family day about why it's so important for us to be together. You know, during this COVID season, apart from the, the, the virus and all the difficulty with that, we're now discovering that one of the number one health issues that is happening worldwide has come about as a result of being isolated. Isolation is one of the biggest causes of mental health, of depression, of anxiety, and of so many things. And during COVID, as we focus on the virus, we also had this, this epidemic that is just moving forward around the world because we were made to be, be together. Be together is so important, and we see it now that even as things are opening up, and even as our city begins to open up in different ways, that even though we can stream music on Spotify, we can't wait to go, go to a concert again. I can't wait to go to Jazz Alley again, because I love hearing jazz music on Spotify, or whatever your streaming service is. I'm not endorsed by Spotify, okay? But whatever your service is, or a CD. Remember those CD clubs from years ago, where you, you, you do a penny, and you get, you get like a... 24 CDs or whatever, I still have those in my attic that I'm pulling up from time to time. And even though I can do that and I can listen to that, there's, I, there's nothing like being at a concert. You know, as it relates to watching sports teams, we're all going to be watching sports teams for many of us later today, whether it's hockey or whether it's football. You know, we've got a lot of Sounders fans here. We have a lot of T-Birds fans here. And as much as we love seeing it on TV, when you get a chance to go to a game, there's nothing like it. People will fight traffic, they'll pay high prices in parking, they'll buy that, how much is a hot dog now at a stadium? What's like 15 bucks or whatever it is, right? They'll buy that hot dog that you can get better at Costco for cheaper, you can, get, you can probably get 50 of them, but we're going to have great hot dogs today for free, so you can go out there instead, so a little plug for the tailgate. But we will go there and we'll do that because we want to be together. We want to be there. Because it's so important for us to be together. And we see this in Scripture, that in Scripture, the body of Christ, there's this admonition, there's this instruction, there's this command, really, for us to always be together and come together because we need it. And, we, and one of the places that we find this is in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25. Can we read this together, all the kids, all the adults? Let's read this together. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 to 25. Let's read this loud and proud. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And as we look on this, there's one word that I very quickly want to focus in on because we have some wonderful hot dogs that I can't wait to dive into later. But one of the words that I want us to kind of just highlight lean into is that word encourage. Encourage. Encourage is a very intentional word, and encourage is a very powerful word, because here's what encourage means. When you dive into that word encourage, there's three key things that pull out from it. Part of this meaning, that first part that stands out, is that when we encourage someone, it means to call to one side. It means to call over to yourself. So when you encourage somebody, you're, you're inviting them to be a part of your world. You're inviting them to come over. Encourage, it also means to strengthen. When you encourage somebody, don't you feel strengthened by that? And I would say even that's a two-way street, that when you encourage somebody, I feel stronger. When I have the opportunity to get with somebody, and I can encourage them, and I can, it can build up a part of their life, not only are they stronger, but it's also, that splashes over on me. I feel stronger because of it. But a third part of the meaning of that word encourage also means to instruct. See, when you encourage somebody, you're 
instructing them in the behavior that you are encouraging them in. You're showing them, you're directing them, you're bringing them a path. So when we come together and we talk about encouraging, I want us to lay hold of how powerful that is. That in coming together, this is not just about bringing a nice feeling. We're talking about you're inviting someone to be a part of your neighborhood. You're, you're strengthening somebody, that you're helping them be strong. Maybe they came in today and they were at a low point. But when you come up to them and you strengthen and you encourage them and other people get around them and they start encouraging them, you walk away stronger. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I walk away from this community, I feel stronger. There are times that I get up on Sunday morning and I come in and I'm tired and there's so many things going on. But as soon as I get around you... I feel stronger. I meet somebody new that the Lord brought here. I feel stronger. I hear about a story, or I get to pray for somebody who's going through a difficult time, and there's this strength that comes together. There's this faith building, and there's this instruction. There's so many things that come into it, and I believe that's why the enemy so often will attack that nature of coming together, and here's one of the things that I found out in my life. This is not even in my notes today, okay? One of the things that I found to be so true in my life that when I, when I feel God leading me towards something and I get up to go do it, that often the greater the victory or the greater the provision or the greater that something's going to happen, often the greater the opposition that's going to be there. Have you ever felt that? And there are so many times as it relates to coming together to the body of Christ, to church, whatever you want to call it, that I will feel great opposition. And there's times that I've got to renew my mind, I've got to switch my mind and go, you know what? This is opposition. God's not trying to keep me back from going to church. This is the enemy because he knows if the body of Christ will get together, if the body of Christ will encourage each other, it'll be become an unstoppable force that even the gates of hell cannot prevail against because we come together. And as we talk about standing on these rocks and there's sand around them, when we come together as a body of Christ, now it's not just me, but it's all of you. It's like this safety net, this encouragement that comes from it. And it all comes from one of the, one of the, the key things that happen as we come together. And it's the thing that we're going to focus on today. And it's, it's that word connection. We need connection. Things that aren't connected don't work. If your printer's not connected, you will not print. If your camera is not connected to power, it will eventually fail. Things that are disconnected will fail. And when we encourage somebody, we are connecting with them, we're joining with them, we're inviting them to come in. You know, this, we, we see this in sports all the time. That as much fun as it is to be at home, I could just stay at home and not go out and watch sports. I could just watch a video of my kid playing football and say, you know what, I'm, instead of going and seeing you today to, to, to see this event that's going on in flight football, mom's going to do a video, and then when it comes home, I can see you close up, and I can hear all the commentary going on, so dad's not going to show up for your game today because it's better on video. Is that going to fly very well? It's not. And I didn't do that, by the way. That's totally hypothetical. See, we fill up sports stadiums, even though the picture's better at home, even though we have expert analysis, even though we're at home, I can lay down, I can stand up whenever I want. At home, there's no line for the bathroom. And that's a lot when you grew up with five sisters the way that I did. I can pause it when I want. I can go eat whenever I want. I save money when I stay home. But here's why people, they'll go to great lengths to gather together for sports or for a concert or for any event like that. Because we're all missing connection. For those of you, if you've gone to a concert or you've gone to any kind of an event, whether it's sports, whatever your thing is to get together, when we get together and there's this connection and they're seeing this even now with the Seahawks, and you know I'm biased, so, you know, disclaimer up front, I believe hockey is the greatest sport God ever made. 
But I still love Seahawks. Wayne and Naomi, okay. So, right? This year, Seattle has a new team. Have you sensed the excitement? There are people that have never been around hockey before, knew nothing about it, that are studying it. The Seattle Times did a whole special laying out all the rules so you could know how to follow, even though Seattle was the first U.S. team to, act to win the Stanley Cup. Did you know that back in 1917, the Seattle Metropolitans? You're number one, baby. But there's an excitement about it. And even though I've watched hockey my whole life, this year's different because now I get to cheer for my city. I get to have real hockey tears now. I get to cheer for them. I get to be with them. And we saw this because on, on, on the first day of season ticket sales, there were over 32,000 season tickets sold, breaking all records. Because there's nothing like, there's, like when a city wants to rally behind something, when a city wants to get there. And there are people that even said, you know, I didn't even understand hockey, but I knew it was exciting, so I went to it. And they didn't understand hockey until they got there. But they're like, after I was there and after I experienced it, after I was in person, then I'm like, oh, yeah, I understand hockey now. I remember the first time that I took my wife to a hockey game and I explained to her what offsides is. She saw offsides everywhere. She was calling offsides all over the place, and I actually had to kind of get her to calm down a little bit. She was, she was quite the hockey fan, still is. Because there's a difference of watching it from afar and being up close and experiencing that excitement. I mean, just think about all the things that go into place when you're at a game. When you're at a game, in order to do that, you've got to dedicate time. To do anything, you've got to say, I'm going to commit this time. And you back it up and you go, what's traffic going to be like? What's the parking going to be like? I can't wait. I'm going to go to the link light uh, to the, uh, at, at Northgate and I'm going to take that all the way down. So I'm going, what does that look like? And then I'm going to get on the monorail and I'm thinking all that through. And what does that look like? How much is a hot dog? Because, boy, i got to have a hot dog. We plan all those things out, but it's dedicated time because connection requires dedicated time. If you don't plan well, you're going to miss out on that connection. And I don't want to miss it. When you come together, when you put that time together and, you, and you're with all these fans, there's a unity that takes place because everyone is cheering. Everyone's talking about the game. You're in line. Everyone's wearing the Kraken or the Seahawks or the T-Birds or the Sounders. Whatever your team is, you're in line with people that you may disagree with politically. You may disagree with in your worldview. You may disagree with in a lot of ways. But when you're in line and you got your Kraken gear on or whatever kind of gear that is, you're unified. You're talking about the game. You're excited about it. You're talking about the players. You're talking about the last game and what happened and the hits that took place. You're unified around that. Everyone is cheering for the same outcome. Everybody wants to win. Everybody, they're willing to come together and get on the same page because they believe in the team. And there's a natural excitement that comes from that. There's an excitement for the event. There's an excitement about what's going to happen. There's this, there's this crowd dynamic that takes place and there's this strength in coming together. And it doesn't even matter if you lost last time. One of the big, big things that the, that, that the 12th man of Seattle is known for as it relates to the Seahawks is that the stadium is just so loud that there's even times that the opposing quarterback can't speak the play loud enough. Because it's powerful. And there's support. There's that support. You know, last season, as, as we, for those of you who watched football or whatever it was, do you remember when the players had to come on the field and there were no fans around? It was a totally different dynamic, wasn't it? All the players talked about, man, we're excited to play together because of COVID, there's no fans here or there's just a few here. They even put up prompts of like pictures. Some of the season ticket holders, they could put a picture of themselves up there to say, I'm with you, but they weren't cheering. And they tried to pipe in artificial fan noise. 
but it couldn't come near the, the Seahawks fans. See, I'm a Seahawks fan as well. It couldn't come near it. But when you come together, you know the support is there that no matter what happened last time, I'm with you. I mean, fans are so dedicated when it comes to their sports that they even have this term for undedicated fans, and they call it a fair-weather fan. Is that still a current thing today? Man, when I was growing up for hockey, if somebody switched teams, if they went from being a Montreal fan to being an Edmonton fan because Edmonton had this big run in the 80s, I mean, you were just kicked out. You're like, you're not a real hockey fan. You're a fair-weather fan. You're just cheering for whoever wins. See, true fans, they're with you no matter what. The ups and the downs are like, we're going through a hard time now, but we're going to get through it. See, all of these are essential for a team to be successful. They're essential for the Seahawks. They're essential for the Sounders. They're essential for the Kraken, who won their last game 4-1, to by the way. <laughs> and we get this with a sports connotation, but I think you know where I'm going. How, as much as I love tailgate parties, and as much as I love our teams, and it's so good to be unified about something in our city like that. How much more for the body of Christ? How much more for what God has called us to? See, the body of Christ, the church, it thrives when we are connected. You remove all the people from this building, it's just a building. This only becomes the body of Christ when you show up. This only becomes an active, living, breathing, the hand of God moving through us. Jesus saying, I will do even greater things through you when we come together and when he's alive in us. See, God, he, God made us to follow him together. That's why during, during the pandemic, and we have online services, and online is here to stay. So many of the new people that come here, they first visit us online, so we need to be strong there. There are people that still can't meet with us because they have compromised immune systems, or for whatever reason, they're serving those that are, that are, that are compromised, and so they're making sure that they're healthy, that they're online, so we will always be online. That is a firm commitment because we want to love our neighbor, we want to reach our neighbor, but there's a difference in watching online versus being in person. It's just different. As much as I love the early days, just getting to connect with everyone over my kitchen counter, it's different. And I remember even the difference when, we were, we, we, when Steph and I, we were sharing the word from our kitchen counter with our, with our iPhone there. And then we had some friends show up in the background. And they knocked on the window. Because it was like, man, they came all this way just to knock on the window and say, we're, we're with you. Can't come inside, but we're with you. Have you had experiences like that? When you're isolated and somebody walked by and they waved at you, or they knocked on your window and they, they said, you know what, I can't come in because of COVID, but I just want to remind you, I'm here. I took the time, I got in my car, I walked, I ran, I rode my bike, and I got there to knock on your window and just to say, I am with you. That's how we were made. I love what Ed Stetzer says. He, Ed Stetzer says this. He says, God's strategy to reach a broad range of people with the simplest message of the gospel centers on the church of Jesus Christ. And then he makes this powerful statement. He says, you simply can't be a good neighbor. That's everything we've been talking about the last six weeks. You can't be a good neighbor who engages the world without the support of the local church. You just can't do it. You can't do it. Studies 
time and time again, and there's a new study that came out from Barna on 2020, and it talked about the atrophy and the connection between those who disconnect from the body of Christ, those who, can, who disconnect from regular church attendance, and they were even bringing it down to where just once a month, there is a natural atrophy, there's a natural falling away, there's a natural leaving of Christ, that when you leave the body of Christ, you end up ultimately, time and time again, leaving Jesus and falling away. Because Jesus, he made us to be a body. You separate the hand, the hand's not going to live. We need each other. We need each other. And it was so, it was so saddening to see that even back, back in, uh, in 2000, it, it, it did this stat to where at that time, there were 50, almost 50% of Americans said that they were dedicated. And I can, send, I can send the links. You can join me tomorrow on takeout, and I'll give you the links and all the dads for that. But back in the early 2000s, dedicated Christians, meaning those who were actively following Christ, there was, there was some fruit there. We're at almost at 50% in America. And they did this study between then and 2020. And over the course of just 20 years, that was cut in half to where now only 25% actively identify as practicing Christianity. Because we know there are people who identify. This, this happens in all... All, all religions, right? I'll ask people to say, you know, I'll meet people that they, they say they're Buddhist, but they're non-practicing Buddhists, or they're Muslim, but they're non-practicing Muslim. It means that they just identify that way and they connect with it. There are Christians that say, yeah, I, I see that. I believe it to be true, but I'm not really practicing it. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. When there's no action, when there's no engagement, Jesus is meant not to be a consultant. He's not a God on the side. He's either Lord of all in your life or he's Lord of none in your life. It's an all or none. Lukewarm, he said, I'll spit you out of my mouth. We were made to be alive in Christ, fully devoted. That's why it's so often through Scripture, and we see this throughout the New Testament, there's this cost. Consider the cost. Count the cost. Take up your cross. Deny yourself. And the promise to that is even greater, that as I bring just Dwayne as such as I am, and I give it all to the Lord, I'm giving the Lord this, and he gives me all of this. Greater presence in my life, the power of God in my life, the transformative work in my life. The payoff is incredible. We don't give to get. There's a surrender. You operate in a commodity, there's going to be a fall off because at some point, the flesh will rise up. But this is what we're talking about. We're made to be together. We are made to be together. I mean, when we just apply those four things that we talked about earlier, and we walk through them again, being connected with the church in mind, that dedicated time, when we regularly and faithfully commit our time to something, we will grow and prosper. It will happen. We dedicate time to sports. I'm watching the crack and play at 4 o'clock today. How much more should we dedicate time to connecting as the body of Christ? See, some people they'll often look at like a great artist or a singer, and they'll say, man, you know, that person, you know, she's got an incredible voice. It's like she just naturally sings or she naturally plays or she's just, she naturally connects with the audience, and she must have been born with that. She must have had that alive. But when you talk to them, what do they say? Well, it's practice. Yeah, but that's just effortless. How, how are you able to get up and connect that way? It's practice. How are you able to just kind of pull out, you just pull those chords out, you just pull that scale out, you just pull that riff out. Someone started humming a song, you play it along. Man, it's, it's amazing how you just naturally did that. It's like, no, it's practice, practice, practice. Great artists are great artists because they're willing to do what so, what's, what so few are willing to do. 
they're willing to practice the scales, they're, they're willing to do all the boring stuff. So when the moment comes, they're ready. An hour on stage is often reflected with 40 plus hours of practice. At minimum. Do you know that, that the really good professional artists, they're investing all that practice time? I heard this one artist talk about, they asked him that they said, you know, are you, are, are you getting married? He's like, no. He said, why? He said, because when I meet somebody, I warn them. I say, you know, that my first love is guitar. <laughs> and he said, I've had several people to go, really, you're going to spend more time with the guitar than me. I'm not saying this is, this is not relationship advice, okay? But he said that people are often surprised that I spend 40 hours a week just practicing, just practicing. They're like, why don't you stop practicing? You're good enough. He's like, no, no, no. I dedicate myself. As important and as much as I love guitar playing, how much more? That dedicated time to the Lord. When we come together, that unity, we talked about the unity in sports, the unity when the body comes together, when we commit to coming together as the body of Christ, to worship him together, to sing songs of praise, where we're pouring a heart, where we're praying to God and we're praying for each other and we're hearing people around us pray. One of my favorite things to hear in the body of Christ is to hear people pray. There's a group of people that pray over in this room before our service every week and I'll walk by this morning and I heard them pray and I just stood outside, just joining with them in prayer. There's a strengthening that comes from that. There's an excitement. There's a unification that, that takes place in the body of Christ. That's, that's why we see this effort. Ephesians 4 says to make every effort to keep the unity, to keep the unity. That's why Satan is so divisive. That's why he's going to tell you lies. That's why he's going to come against you because he knows that if you will be unified together, if you'll be unified together, he knows what the body of Christ can do. There's an excitement, just like we get excited about sports. How much more? There's a difference when people gather together and there's an anticipation in their heart. Okay, I've cheered for teams that have had the worst losing record, and I've shown up for a game, and the fans are like, maybe tonight, maybe tonight, this is our night, we're excited, come on, let's get it together. I've seen Seahawks fans cheer for Seahawks when they were losing, even when Russell Wilson got injured. Now, we had our moment of mourning and crying together, then we're like, come on, let's get it back together. Let's get it back together. There's this excitement. There's this anticipation. There's what Nehemiah talked about in Nehemiah chapter 8, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Nehemiah, he wasn't referencing this, this, this just pure emotion that if it feels good, I'll do it. If it doesn't feel good, then I won't do it. That joy of the Lord means that knowledge of the Lord, that fullness of the Lord, that when I think about, when I remind myself who God is, when I think about who Jesus is and what he wants to do in my life, there's this joy that comes up no matter if I have a, a diagnosis of death in my life, no matter if I'm down and out, no matter if I'm broke, no matter if I'm without a job, when I remind myself who God is, there's this joy and this strength in the middle of sorrow that comes alive in me. I can't tell you how many saints that I've seen that as they've headed into their old age, sometimes they'll get this diagnosis and I'll show up to pray for them. I'll show up to encourage for them. And you know what they do? They say, Pastor, how are you doing? I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your family. I'm like, but you're aren't you scared because you have cancer? Like, oh, God's got me. He's got me. But how are you doing? There's a work that God wants to do in your life because they know the joy of the Lord. And they know that no matter what happens to their flesh, their soul belongs to God. But as long as they have breath, they're going to do it to serve the Lord. And they will consistently pray for the body of Christ. They'll consistently pray for their pastor, for all the pastors, for all the leaders. 
These are those that have lived their life. That's why so oftentimes when we've come through this pandemic, that oftentimes some of the ones who were the most scared were some of the youngest in faith or some of the youngest in our community. But we see these saints who've gone before and they're like, God's got me. Yes, I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to love my neighbor. I'm going to do the right things and be unified. But pastor, we're not going to let this divide the church. We're not going to let this get in the way of God's mission for my life. I'm not scared. God's got me. That has been a consistent thing. And they would ask me, so what's God doing at SEC? What's he doing? How, how are we going to love our community? How are we going to reach out? How are we going to love, love our neighbor? You want to see hockey tears listening on that phone call when you call out. It's that joy of the Lord. And there's also this support. When we gather together, it's that reminder that we are not alone. How many of you need to know that you're not alone today? That there are people with you. That's why when I'm online, I'm like, let me know you're here. You got a prayer request, put it out. Pray for somebody, do some shout outs. And we have people online, there are people that every week you'll see, you'll go in and look, and they each, they identify themselves every week because they want people to know, I'm here, I'm gonna pray for you, what's going on? And the more that we do that, the more alive even that experience comes. But we need each other. We need that support. I think sometimes, we're so hesitant to come together as a body of Christ because oftentimes we're not applying it. See, when I actively pour out, when I live a week where I'm being poured out for Jesus, now we're, we're pouring out all the time in so many ways of our lives, but when I walk through my week going, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Flow through me today, flow through me today, flow through me today. On the bus, on the link light rail, and Fred Meyer, in your home online, the more I pour out during the week, the more I want to see all of you. Because I need all of you. The more that we scatter and we pour out for Jesus, being used by Jesus, even being so bold as to invite somebody to come and be a part of us, I can't wait to be here. I can't wait to come together. Not because things are perfect. I can't wait to go home to Newfoundland and see my family. Is my family perfect? You don't know them, but no family's perfect. Is my family in complete agreement with everything I say and do? No, I'm the baby. No one agrees with the baby of the family. <laughs> All the babies go, amen. Right? It's not about being a perfect place. It's a together place around Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, raising our children, leading them in that way. That's why children are so important, and it's so important to pull them together. I remember my mom and dad dragging me to church. At one point, it was across the street. I couldn't even fake sick. Do you know what I draw from today so many times? My Sunday school teachers, those who invested in me, my youth directors, and my youth pastor. Was it perfect? No. In the early days, there was a lot of legalism. But there's a teacher that came up to me and said, look, let's look at Jesus. <laughs> let's pull it together. When I had questions, there was a youth pastor that came alongside of me. When I was going through a difficult time, I had those people pouring into my life. And those are seeds that have come alive in so many situations. Where now I even have those people showing up for the online service, linking. I'm praying for you. Keep doing the good work. That's a seed that started 50 years ago. As we talked about dedicating Ellie today, 
the seeds that we pour into children, they burst forth. They burst forth. And we continue to encourage them because the enemy's pouring rocks. The enemy's pouring weeds. The enemy's pouring so much junk on people's lives. But as the body of Christ, we come together and say, Lord, use us. We need to be together. We need to recognize the enemy's attacking, but we're saying, in the name of Jesus Christ, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> we'll have none of that here. This is the body of Christ. We welcome everybody. We affirm in our commitment to theology, to the Bible. The Bible is inerrant without fault. And because of that, we welcome everybody to know Jesus. Amen? Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Lord, do your work in us. And just as we spend a few moments inviting the work of the Holy Spirit, just ask yourself in this moment, you know, as it relates to the body of Christ, am I connected? And rate yourself. You know, how would I rate my level of connection? Is, do I feel really connected to the body of Christ, to the church, to coming together? Or is it like, boy, it, it needs improvement? And then, like, every time that we pray to the Lord, we always... I always ask the Lord very specific questions, and this is a specific one. Identify what's holding you back from connecting in a greater way. We need to be connected. We need each other. I need you. You need me. You're my brother. You're my sister. There's a work that God has us to do, and we need to be connected. Is it time? Is it unity being on the same page? Is, is there a lack of excitement? Is there a lack of interest? Whatever it is, and that's the Lord. Lord, what steps do I need to take? What things need to take place in my life? And would you just present that to the Lord? Just present it to the Lord. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Do your work in me, I pray. Help me to walk forward and live each day for you. Lord, we recognize the enemy is trying to get us to stop coming together because he knows as we come together. We described it as an unstoppable force that even the gates of hell would not prevail against. So Lord, we need each other. You made us that way, to come together as the body of Christ. Help us to walk forward righteously, together unified, in your name. Everyone sit together. Amen, amen. It's not good to be together. Thank you for being here. I hope you hear my appreciation for all of you. I've been a part of this community now. I first came here in 2001 and then left for seven or eight years. But Seattle was always in my heart. People would visit our home and go, why do you have Seattle pictures on your wall? It's like, we love Seattle. <laughs> Praying for a hockey team. And then the Lord brought us back here in 2014, and we feel so blessed. Thank you for welcoming us. At this time, we're going to continue. We've got a great tailgate party going out there. Can we just stand together and let's pray for our neighbors that as we go out and have fun together, that our neighborhood would feel welcome in this. So, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing. And, God, as we go out now and we enjoy just being together, Lord, we thank you for the sun that's shining. And, Lord, we also pray that our neighbors, as they walk by, they would feel welcome just to come in and just to be with us. So, Lord, thank you for the teams that are already in place. Thank you for the work that you're doing in us. Continue to remind us that you are with us and you've called us to be together. That when we fail, we'd ask forgiveness <laughs> and that we would also be free to give and to forgive those just as you've forgiven us. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in your name.
And everyone said together, amen, amen. And Lord, bless all the hot dogs that are out there today and all the candy, we pray in your name. Amen. This is our benediction. Before we hit the tailgate party, let's say this together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious towards you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. 